the Instructor Podcast with Terry Cook, talking with leaders, innovators, experts and game changers about what drives them. Welcome to this very special anniversary episode of the Instructor Podcast. As always, I am your splendid host, Terry Cook, and I have been your splendid host for the past two years. With over 120 episodes, I have been your host for everyone except one which was the International Women's Day special last year, hosted by the ever-delightful Emma Pottington. So big shout-out to Emma there for taking over the show for one special episode. But because it is a two-year anniversary, I decided to do something a little bit different. Over in my premium membership, I started a new series called Episode Dissection, where I break down previous episodes and give my three key takeaways. Now, this was uh, quickly taken over by the merry brand of premium subscribers who asked to join me on these episodes so they could share their thoughts as well. So we decided to do a very special one looking right back at the first ever episode with Bob Morton, which was called Coaching for Driving Instructors. And I have decided to release that to you today in uh, in recognition of the fact that it's two years since the episode was released. So on this episode, I'm joined by some of my premium members and I'm also joined by a very special guest in Bob Morton. Just before we dive in, I just want to say a big thank you to everyone that's listened, everyone that's shared, everyone that's subscribed, everyone that's signed up to the premium content. I really appreciate it. Thank you for uh, helping me get to over 120 shows and two years. And uh, let's see if we can make it to free. But for now, let's get stuck into the show. Welcome to the third episode, Dissection. This is a show where I take a, a deep dive, if you like, and look at some of the key takes of a specific episode. And I'm taking a bit of a detour on this one because previously I have done the most recent ones, but we're going way back into that on this one, going right back to the 10th of April 2021 and looking at the first ever episode of the Instructor Podcast, Coaching, drive, coaching Drivers? Coaching for driving instructors, uh, which was with Bob Morton. It was the first ever episode, as I mentioned. And we're recording this on the 2nd of April. So we're almost, almost at the two-year anniversary. Um, now, I am joined by some of my lovely premium members. And I'm also joined by a very special guest, which is Bob Morton. How are we doing, Bob? All right. All right. Um, this is all hassle. Just, just rushed in. I've been thrashing around the Yorkshire Dales all all day. We could have done yeah. this in person, Bob. We could have done it in person. Oh, no. Uh, I'm oh. going to leave you for a second. I'm just going to finish my intro, but it's great to have you on board. <laughs> um, but I just want to start off just by talking a little bit about the actual podcast itself and the, the reason why it started and, and that kind of stuff. So just for a brief kind of thing around that. So the premise of the podcast, the, the genesis of it was that there was there was nothing like it out there, in my opinion. Um, I wanted to listen in particular, because I'm a podcast nut, but I wanted to listen to something that had a different topic each week and had different guests each week, but was all related to the industry. So I could go and get some key takeaways from each of these episodes and apply that to my business and apply it to my instructing so I could become better and there was stuff out there that was on demand and there was stuff out there, you know, the guy that's joined us today, Bob Martin, client set of learning, I was signed up member to that. But there was nothing with this variety that I was after. Because the other thing I was after was 
so I could pick and choose who I wanted to work with. You know, I'd speak to all these people, like, oh, that one looks fun. I'm going to go take part in this one. So that was what initially created the show. And the premise behind it kind of is along the same vein in that I want to give listeners information, education, and inspiration. I couldn't get three I's there, so I've gone with I, I, and E. But information, inspiration, education. But I also want to showcase some of the best people from inside and outside our industry. You might refer to them as experts, leaders, innovators, and game changers. So you know where that uh, phrase came from now. But that's where the Instructor Podcast and where it came from. And I just want to tell you one other thing, just a little bit about the show growth. There's all different ways you can measure podcasts and, and the size and stuff, but it's you see podcasts that have got millions and you see podcasts that have got dozens of downloads, but it's all relevant to the niche. So if, if the niche is only 40,000 strong, you're never going to get more than 40,000 listeners. But if you've got a niche of 10 million, you could get 10 million listeners. But just in terms of the actual growth of this podcast, when I released season one, an episode was taking me about a month to get 100 downloads. It was taking me between 30 and 40 days to get 100 downloads for an episode, which isn't actually bad for a UK podcast, which tells you what normal podcasts are like. Now, at the end of season four, and so far in season five, I'm getting 100 downloads by lunchtime on the first day. So that tells you just the way the podcast has grown. So for anyone listening, thank you. Really do appreciate you tuning in and helping me grow this show. But we are here to talk about the very first episode of Coaching, uh, not of Coaching for Driving Instructors, the first episode of the Instructor Podcast, which was Coaching for Driving Instructors by Bob Morton. And I'm going to jump on first with you before I get on. Bob, so we've got you on, uh, the, the man of the moment. So I'm going to ask you this question. Why? What did you think, going right back to that first episode when I recorded it with you, there was no episode out at the time. It was my first interview, my first time doing it. A, how bad was I? B, what were your thoughts while we were doing it? <laughs> um, well, I remember speaking to you about, we did a little thing on YouTube, and I remember speaking to you about your theory podcast, and, and we talked about podcasts. I said, you know, if you're thinking of doing it, just do it. Why not? Why not? You know, it's it's we, we had um, the Driving Instructor podcast, which is good, um, but it just, I thought, well, an extra one won't hurt, and I knew you were interested in coaching. Um, and I thought you did a bang-up job, really. I mean, obviously, you've got better, but I think you started good and got better, which was fortunate. Um, and I think you've really kind of grown into it now, and you've, you've kind of found your own groove, if you like. Um, and it's good. It's good. More power to you. And I think you've done a fantastic job, and it's it's great. Now we've got Mike's Mixed Podcast. That's good, too. Um, and, you know, if anybody's out there thinking, oh, maybe I could start a podcast, do it. Just do it. What have you got to lose? <laughs> I mean, I've been begging for a while for more podcasts. I think people know that. But but yeah, I mean, Dipod was out and that was um, monthly. I think Mix came out a few weeks before mine and that was fortnightly at the time. Uh, that was, I forget what it used to be called, but it's called Kit, the Kit Podcast now. Um, mm. So I wanted something a bit more intimate, a bit more weekly. But yeah, definitely always get better than get worse. Although I wasn't fishing compliment, but thank you. <laughs> um, and so a little, just a sneak peek behind the scenes on that first episode, actually, for people, because... My idea behind that, I don't know if you call this, Bob, was we were going to record remember, it. In... I can't remember what I had for breakfast, never mind, all that time ago. remember everything about this stuff, but and we recorded it in 15-minute segments. My idea was to to release it as in 15-minute segments so people could listen to it between lessons. 
that soon fell by the wayside because that's an awful lot of work. Um, but what I'm going to do now is I'm going to give my my one of my key takeaways that I got um, at the time and listening to the episode. Then I'm going to bring in one of our um, premium members for their thoughts on that and maybe one of theirs. So one of my key takeaways on this episode was mindset and learning because it's something that I've read up on a lot of the time, but not as much as I should have done perhaps. And but you put it in a way, Bob, on this episode in particular that, that just it made it click for me like nothing else had. You call client centered learning the middle ground between instructing and coaching. And that was yeah. like a light bulb moment for me. It was it, that just made everything make sense. You can, on a lesson, it's all about that middle ground. There are times you'll use instruction, there are times you'll use coaching, but it all falls back to that client centered learning, not client led client centered and, and it was just that that made it click for me so uh on this episode we're also joined by some of my premium members as i mentioned some are just along to watch so uh i won't embarrass them by saying names but one in particular is always keen to join and that's phil cowley um i mentioned there about the client center learning being the midpoint between uh instruction and coaching is that something that resonated for you phil or was there another key point that stands out for you or um, no, I think as always, Terry, we're, we're in sync and literally on my notes, I've got client centered burning versus coaching um, and how I think that particularly when it first came out, it got confused um, yeah. and it, it's, yeah, co- coaching is a tool, a very good tool for to help you with client centered learning, basically yeah. DVSA one client centered learning. Coaching is a great tool to help your learners. But as as mentioned in the podcast, sometimes instructing is is necessary, um, and particularly in in on the road. It's a, a, interesting, Philip. That you know, that I had a conversation with a guy who was a police trainer, and they'd been experimenting with coaching. Now, coaching's phenomenal, but when you're in a safety critical environment, you know, doing it across a desk is easy because you're not going to run that desk into anybody and kill them. But they'd been talking about coaching and trying it and really working hard on doing it. And they're doing something like 120 miles an hour, plowing down this road. And the trainee coach says to the guy driving the car, is the limit point balanced? And the the, the, the instructor in the back leapt forward and went, brake for Christ's sake. <laughs> and brake was the correct input. There was no time at 120 miles an hour for a, a lovely question. Is the limit point balanced? Now, that's the question you would ask if we were approaching at 30 miles an hour when you've got plenty of time. So, And I think there was much confusion at the start. And those who believed in coaching thought people who were instructed were, were the spawn of the devil and vice versa. And that's just not the case. There's room for everything. You, use, you reach for the right tool at the right time. And you can turn whatever you've done, whether it be you know client-centered, whether it be some coaching stuff, whether it be some instructing stuff, into a big conversation afterwards, what have we learned from this? So it's, you know, that's the key, is to turn the thing around and say, okay, well, what do we learn from that? From that experience that we've just had, because that's what coaching is, experience, reflection, new experience. Sorry, that's I think just <laughs> No, no, it's good. That's why I've got you on, Bob, for your, uh, your <laughs> opinion, your, your expertise. But I, I'm just on that coach, well, the clients that are learning the coaching side of it, since we recorded this episode, which is pretty much two years ago, have you noticed a shift do you think? Because, uh, you know, I remember saying this on the episode, you speak to a lot of different instructors, you know a lot of instructors, you're part of a lot of groups, you know, you're still very active in the industry. So have you noticed the shifts more this, towards this, like, this, being more accepting? 
this industry that I used to be a big dear me. Didn't <laughs> say it. Thing. Did not say it, Mom. That was, that was you. <laughs> it, it went through my it went through my head. <laughs> I think that's just one of the funniest things anybody's ever said. Uh, and I, I was there to witness it and just I just shook his hand and went, Yeah, you did me there. Thank you. <laughs> but no, I speak to a lot of people at the shows and stuff, and the same looked to me and said, Oh. Now, sometimes people just send me random messages saying, I listen to you on the podcast, and it really made sense to me. Thank you for that. As a result of that, and a result of a lot of the other stuff you've done, Terry, and I think, you know, kudos to you, that you have encouraged an awful lot of people to think about CPD. Because um, you're not selling them anything, like me. <laughs> you know, you're, you're just saying, well, yeah, have a listen to this. What do you reckon to this? I've tried it. Why don't you give it a go? And I think people don't feel threatened by it, by the podcast and the, and the ideas that are in it. And I think they think, oh, I might just give that a go. And I have to say that I've I've learned lots of little gems from the non-instructor podcasts. You know, the 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 Facebook stuff, and that you just listen and think, oh, interesting. Never thought of it from that angle before. And I think that's the big the big plus of the podcast. People aren't threatened by it. They don't see it as somebody ramming CPD down their throat. They're just hearing some conversations and. Thinking, well, that wouldn't work for me. Or, hey, that might. You know, you know what? I might give that a go. And I, I, you know, I think that's a, a tremendous thing. Anything that encourages CPD has to be applauded. Um, I mean, I just want to touch on that a little bit, actually, because you mentioned people not feeling threatened by the the podcast. Uh, I'm not going to name them, but I got, and I, I haven't sent it to you actually. I should have done, but I got a lovely message from someone the other day saying that. When, when we spoke last, Bob, on the green room, you were talking about you had a run of, I forget the number now, but it's a significant number of fails in a row. 19. 19. And they messaged me and said that that made them feel so much better because they suddenly realised that the, some of the people that look up to industry, industry mm. you know, have hard times well. And I think that's something that I do try and get across on these shows is I'll talk about the stuff that I'm crap at. I'll talk about the stuff that I struggle at and the, the struggles I have. And I think that's a strength for yours. I think you even mentioned stuff like this a couple of times in this first episode, talking about this wasn't easy or I struggled with this and this is how I yeah, began. Absolutely. And I think that when people see that you're not shoving it down their throats, as as you don't do with your coaching, and some people do, you're very much, this is the way I think it should be done, but it's not easy. You know, we need to practice. I think that makes a difference. Is that something you mm. do intentionally, talk about your experiences in that way? As director of training at LDC, my job really was to to take things, new concepts and new ideas, and make them understandable. And the easy way to make something understandable is to make it as simple as it's possible to be and break it down into its components and say, okay, well, this is how it's made up. And if you're going to start working on it, don't work on everything all together. Start here and then add this, then add this, add this. And it's, it's something like commentary driving. People hate it. You know, part two trainees hate commentary driving because it's a threat. It feels overwhelming. So I, 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 the video is still on the YouTube channel. If you've not seen it, anybody, and you're interested in commentary driving, it's commentary driving in easy steps. And I take you through the process and how easy it can be and building it up in stages. And that's how we do everything, isn't it? That's how we learn. That's how human beings learn. We experience stuff and then we build on it. We link the new stuff to what we already know. So it's, I think it's, it's, I don't know if it's the way I naturally am, but it's the way I've sort of evolved as a trainer is to make things simple. Um, I never want anybody to give me that blank stare after I've talked to them about something. You know, you can, you can see that sort of thing. And I observe it a lot when I'm observing lessons. 
I hear the instructor come up with something that's something they've really thought about. It's like you think, oh, that's clever. And then I look across at the learner, and it's like the circuit breaker's gone. <laughs> it's just to what a waste of time. It's beautifully done, but what a waste of time because the penny didn't drop. <laughs> Speaking of uh, being honest, I got that exact stare today on a lesson. and uh, <laughs> But I did spot it, and I did say, shall I explain it a different way? She went, yeah, please. So we got through it. Um, but going back to you, Phil, uh, what are some of your other takeaways from this this episode? Is there anything that stands out for you that that stood out for you? Um, I think it was interesting, actually, um, listening back to old Terry, although I also like the fact there was an intro from future stroke past Terry <laughs> um, in there as well. And and I think similar to Bob actually saying about how I think you hit the ground running. It was, I was actually going into this listening to it thinking, I love the show from the start, but I've obviously listened to a lot of episodes since. And I was, I was half expecting this to just be like car crash sort of kind of thing. And it wasn't, you, you, you genuinely, I was like, Oh, this is actually that different. Like you, you did hit the, obviously you have tweaked it and, and improved, but I think you hit the ground running. So that that was quite impressive, I think, from the, from the first episode. Um, I just a little side note. I did love the fact that a couple of times you mentioned um, all the tens of thousands of instructors that would be listening. I thought that was very optimistic, uh, <laughs> right at the start. Um, and then I think my main takeaway, actually, and I think this got picked up a little bit in, in your question, was when I listened to it. So I I remember the first time I listened to it as well. I'd listened to Bob talk before anyway. And so I didn't necessarily sort of take in, and, and this is the case with some of the podcasts. I, I, I don't necessarily take away anything new, but I, but I, I like refreshing it. It just, it brings it like back into my mind. Um, and, and there'll be the odd little snippet that I'll be like, Oh well, yeah, I forgot about that. And I'll, and I'll bring that back in. Um, but my main feeling, and I remember this at the time and I still remember it now is, is why are we having this conversation coaching versus instructing? <laughs> it just frustrates me that we're, still having this conversation it shouldn't be a conversation you asked earlier about is it is it is the pendulum swinging over and I suppose in my mind it is a little bit but then I just also wonder if that's just the world I'm in and the people I surround myself with um and the the instructors I work with and stuff it it seems to go that way but then I I'm, I'm sure there's a whole world of instructors out there that it hasn't swung for I think traditionally there's been a percentage of instructors who have been interested in CPD, and you would see the same faces year in, year out. You'd see the same faces at different courses and stuff. I think the big the big gain from the podcast is there's more. It's still a minority. You know, we aren't serious enough about CPD in this industry. We're just not. Um, we're not, in, as, an, as an industry, we're not interested in evolving. We just want to just... Do whatever we've got to do to get through this standards check and then be left alone for another year, two years, whatever it happens to be. Um, and it's the DVS here, Mr. Bot, really. They, were, they talked about making CPD compulsory and then for some reason got scared of it and, and, and backed away. And it's left to the industry to do do stuff. You know, it's, you know, Graham Hooper, I was reading another post today, somebody slagging Graham off. And I think, you know, what, like I'm a loathing, that company has done a shit ton to get people involved in see they've done more than anybody else in this industry whether you like them or whether you don't to get adis stuck into cpd and that they've done stuff that's interesting to them and that changes the way adis work well that's to be applauded 
yet we see people who are successful. What, what do we want to do? We either want to set fire at them or throw stones at them. It just drives me nuts. <laughs> if you've not done any CPD, just do a little bit of it. It's fun. I've just completed a welding course at Preston College. I loved it. It was absolutely tremendous. It's just like something so different. I thought, what do I want to do? What's my CPD going to look like this year? And I looked around for some interesting things to fill it with, and some of it's non-instructor. But I had a whale of a time, and I watched the way that this guy instructed, and it was all instruction. There was no coaching at all. Um, I suppose it's difficult when you're dealing with high high voltages and hot metal. You can't really coach too much. The, um, but just interesting to look at the way that, that he did things. And to, it reminded me of how I used to be as an instructor. It was all me, me, me. Talk, 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 talk. Did you understand that? Uh, yeah. <laughs> no validating whether learning had happened or not. A couple of points I want to touch on there, because I think it's interesting in that you did something there, Bob, that I do a lot, and that's I refer to the industry. I talk about it as, as a whole, and I'll talk about it in a positive way and a negative way, and I'll say the same as you, and I'll say the industry doesn't like doing CPD. And what I find fascinating, it only clicked then, is that when the DVSA do that, they get slagged off. No, yeah. the DVSA says that the industry is bad at this. We moan about the DVSA saying that, but we'll say it about the industry, and that's that's okay. Maybe it's a different thing. I don't know. But I did. Oh, I'm going to let people into a little another behind the scenes secret here, in particular that first episode, because uh, it was a, it's something I've actually written down. I was hoping not to mention it, but actually, but you did bring it up, Phil. But uh, the point that I kept referring to over instructors, and on that that first one, the tens of thousands. I'm going to let you into a secret as to why. It's because. I was scared, I had a genuine fear that I was going to receive abuse, if you like, for, for doing this stuff and promoting coaching, not just coaching, but on a lot of those early episodes, I, the phrase I say, like, wasn't always tens of thousands, but it was, an instructor's listening to this will be annoyed because of, and I felt like that by saying that, I was covering my back, and I was trying <laughs> to avoid some backlash, and... And I don't know why, because I was much more gung-ho back then than I am actually now. Maybe I was afraid of being too confrontational, I don't know. But So I was very mindful of what, what I was saying back then. But I also listened back, and and I think that I was, again, a bit like you guys, I was surprised at how bad I wasn't. But also, um, I found it quite interesting that the volume... Now, I don't know if anyone else has noticed this, but the volume and the audio is, is nowhere near as good as it is now. Uh, listening back today, I'm a lot louder than you are on that episode, Bob. Whereas mm. now, the way I edit, I get the volumes about right. The audio isn't always perfect, especially in this new flat. I've still not got the spare room sorted yet, but but the, the volume is correct. And on that one, it wasn't, but that's just a technical thing. But that's what I know. It's sort of technical from that first show, but... And just going back to what you were saying, Phil, about the are we still having that conversation, who you surround yourself with? I think that's definitely part of it. And it's part of the reason why I'm in certain groups on Facebook, because I want to go and see the other side of things. Because I think one of the problems we have as a race, as humans, is that we do surround ourselves with like-minded people, and then we don't always see the opposing view. And just because it's an opposing view doesn't always mean it's wrong. And I'm mm. guilty of being stuck in this rut sometimes. And I think I said it myself on the, the Green Room episode, the recent one, in that even when you strip away some of the bile and the bullshit and the nonsense from the stuff that gets said, sometimes there's a valid point under it. 
And if mm. you can strip away the nonsense, you can actually learn from that valid point. And sometimes that's what I have to do with the gibberish I talk on these podcasts, just strip away the gibberish and find the point underneath. But um, I'm actually going to give a, another um, takeaway from me from this episode. And it was something that I didn't really clocked for me around coaching and, and that side of it. And that's the word why. You know, you actually pulled me up on this episode for it, uh, talking about asking a student why they did something. Don't say why. No, it was, you pulled me up for it. And it's something that I'd not really clocked before, but I'm like, you you were explaining how the word why is kind of confrontational. And it was only afterwards when I listened back at the time that I was like, you're right. Someone says why to you. It's almost a challenge. Yeah. If someone says, what's your thought process there? Or what was you thinking? Or how did you determine that? It feels a lot less confrontational. Yeah. So, is that something you've met resistance with, Bob? With, with people like I did, you know, wanting yeah. to say why all time. Yeah, and it, it's often I'll say, to, you know, when I'm working with ADIs, I'll spend a you know a morning in the back of that car, and I say, okay, talk me through this. Okay, try not saying why. Instead of doing that, try this. It's something that works for me. I want you to see if it works for you. And I've always taken that line, and I'm not telling people what to do because I think I know everything. I've I've got a lot of stuff that I've tried and that works for me, and I've seen you do this, and I think it would work better if you tried this. Try it. And often they'll say, oh, yeah, you get much more from the learner. Um, and it's – I can't remember where I got it from, it was, but it's, it's – it, it instantly seems to me – if somebody uses why, you, you feel the need to justify – um, and that shouldn't be the kind of conversations we're having. We should be having conversations that that explore what we were thinking and what we were feeling while we were doing it, and that leads to behavioural change, permanent behavioural change. If we ask why, that leads to temporary change until they've passed the test, and then they start driving the way that I've seen loads of people driving this afternoon up on the Yorkshire Dales, um, you know, with little or no thought to others. But that's that's a that's a whole of that conversation. Let's head back over to you, Phil. Is, is there anything else in this episode that stands out for you that you want to raise or, or ask me or Bob about? No, not necessarily. I think I, I agree with that that why thing. Actually, again, I'm sit, sitting in the back of lessons, and again, when I was listening to it today, I was like, oh yeah, no, I always tell my tell my PDs PDIs off for that because um, it is <clears throat> it's interesting because in a way, it's the right it's the right type. Like they, it's what they want. They want to know why, but it's just the wording. Like it may, I'm yeah. assuming. It, it, but I guess it's it's just the way our language is, isn't it? It's it, it's the way people say why in in general language. The other one I come across as well, and we're talking about um, getting into their thoughts and feelings, is you can't say what were you thinking, because that also sounds like what were you thinking. Yeah. Um, right. Sort right. of thing. But interestingly, Terry, you just said it, and you but you said it. Um, what was your thinking? And actually, interesting, just that one word changes that 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 the, the connotations of that question. And and I think th that's something to be wary of when you're out out and about. Is is those like those little words can just change a complete the, the the tone of the question and then the tone of your answer that you get. It's like it's like with scaling. Scaling can be a really useful tool, but it can also be about as judgmental as it's possible to be. So we have to be careful about how we use stuff. And it's, I mean, these are the nuances and the little, the nitty gritty, but it's, you know, it's committing to, to try and coaching in the first place is the key thing. Cause, and, and, and forgiving ourselves. I say this constantly, you know, if you're going to try and make a change, you got to be prepared to forgive yourself for the, 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 the plethora of cock ups that are going to follow. 
as you try and change stuff and just forgive yourself and you know just reset and have another go yeah i think the other thing as well just with that it's like you've always got why as a backup so yeah. if you are struggling to ask a question you can still say why it's not against the law but That's- you know it's trying to use something else where you can and like anything the more you do it the better you get it yeah. um but I think you mentioned there, Phil, uh, previously about sometimes you'll listen to the episodes, you don't always learn something new, but you'll almost be refreshed or reassured about something. And that comes to my third takeaway. So I don't know if you want to hear this, Bob, but on every episode dissection that I do, I, I try and get three key takeaways from every episode. Often there's more, but I'll limit it at three, otherwise we'll be here all day. Um, and this third one was about reassurance for me because i didn't write the exact quote down but you basically said that if the learner hasn't mastered the clutch they shouldn't be on the main road and remember at the time and listening to it back to end today was like i'm really glad you've said that because that's something i feel but it's like i'll speak to other learners that have come more instructors i'll speak to other instructors and they've got them out doing roundabouts on lesson two and they can't use the clutch and i'm like that's really reassuring because I there was a while when I thought I must be a crap instructor because I'm on lesson four and we're still doing moving off and stopping. And it's just that they're genuinely struggling with that physical aspect. And it's taking that person a bit longer. And all we're doing is keeping them in a safe environment until they're actually capable of going on to the next bit. Well, it's, I think it's even worse than that because it's once they've got that little trauma inside their, their neural pathways, and they're mapping the world in their head about the clutch, and then they're out experiencing other things that are broadly similar. The trauma keeps reappearing. We have a negative attachment to this, never a positive one. Where if we master the clutch, when we come to new stuff that includes clutch control, like busier junctions, busier roundabouts, there's no negative connotation. The fear doesn't freeze the conscious mind and make the whole thing go out the window. Because uh, that's what happens, and I see it over and over and over. When, and I talk to instructors, oh, I've got this learner, they've been really good, but we're putting a busy junctions there, and it all seems to have fallen apart, that's right, because they're revisiting that first lesson that didn't master the clutch, while there's a ton of other stuff going on. And we're very, very clever human beings, you know, and we store a ton of information, and that's what's happening in every living moment. You're comparing what's happening now to everything that's broadly similar that you have experienced in the entirety of your existence. So if you've got that negative connotation to this clutch control, each time that comes up, it's not going to get better. It's only going to get worse. With a lot of perseverance, we can get past it. But that's hard work. And it's never really truly mastered. And everything you do, once you've got past the clutch control, everything you do following that involves clutch control. So if it's not mastered, you're just asking for trouble. And this is why it takes me a ton less lessons to get to test because we master that before we move on. And sometimes that's three three hours, four hours on the training estate. Mostly it's an hour. But sometimes it's three or four or even more until we master it. And you, you also can't teach clutch control. People think you can teach clutch control. You can't. You can set up some experiences, but it's like a drop shot backhand at tennis. You have to feel it. You have to experience it and work out how you're going to do it. Sorry, off on a rant there. <laughs> I love a Bob rant, but no, I mean, I, I agree. And like I said that was a, just a, a big reassurance for me because, you know, and again, this goes back, and I didn't say this at the start, but it's a little bit of the reason why I started the podcast is because it's quite a lonely profession at times and you only see what you do on a regular basis. So 
you hear stories and then assume that everyone else is better than you. But, you know, I say to my guys, if you can move off and stop from side of road, then you can move off and stop from a, you know, uncontrolled junction. If you can do that, you can do it at traffic lights. If you can do that, you can do it at a roundabout. We talk about it a lot. We're, we're talking about it more now, about imposter syndrome for new instructors. And nobody seems to realize that learner drivers suffer from it. Big style. All the way through, they're just waiting for it, falling apart. <laughs> because, oh, I shouldn't be out here because you know, I know that I'm not good at this. But all instructors feel the same, and it's, it's natural. It's part of your development. If you keep on going and you keep feeling the imposter syndrome, something's not right. Do something about it. Do something different. Adapt the lesson plan. <laughs> all right. Uh, and Michelle's just said, thanks, Bob. It was really reassuring. So there you Aww. go. Um, <laughs> All right, cool. Is there anything else you want to touch on today, Phil? Uh, no, just I, I I enjoyed listening to it again. I might have to go back and listen to some other episodes again, I think. I, I fully intended have... listening to it again, but I've, I've, I've spent more time. The sun was shining, so I stayed out on the bike. I don't, I don't blame you in the slightest, Bob. Um, but no, thank you for joining us today. Thank you guys for watching, and uh, thank you for joining us, Bob. A little uh, surprise guest for everyone. A little cameo, huh? Yeah. Always a pleasure, never a chore. And, and just a word of caution for you guys that have joined me today, and for anyone listening, there's not going to be a surprise guest every single time. Do not gain expectations. I cannot work miracles. <laughs> uh, but thank you for joining us on this episode se selection. What do I call it? Episode dissection. <laughs> Brilliant. Lovely to see you all, and I'll speak to you again sometime soon. So a big thank you to the premium members for joining me on that episode and also to Bob Morton, who uh, chipped in, as you heard, to give his thoughts back on that first episode. And as I mentioned at the start of the show, thank you to you guys for listening. It is appreciated. And if you enjoyed what you heard on this episode, you can get access to even more of that over at the Instructor Podcast Premium. So I'm just going to tell you a little bit about that. So for £2 a month, you can subscribe and get absolutely nothing except my eternal gratitude. It's basically a way that you can support the show and just contribute towards the running of it for just £2 a month. Or you can subscribe for £10 a month where you get all the podcasts, all the content, so all the recorded stuff. There's currently over 90 shows already over there featuring regular shows from people like Bob Morton, Sam Harper, Kevin Tracy Field from within the industry, as well as Robin Bates and Nichols from outside it and more to come, as well as topics on coaching and the standards check and building a better business. On top of that, you also get video and written content as well. But if you would like to go even further, you can sign up for the £22 tier. Now in that £22 tier, not only do you get everything I've mentioned before, but you also get access to the expert sessions, which are at least once a quarter, although there is one a month for the next four months. And the first one is featuring Chris Benstead explaining how to teach roundabouts. And then we've got some awesome ones lined up after that. So you'll get access to those alongside Q&As. And they are recorded, so you can always go back and watch them again. As well as that, on the £22 tier, you also get the option to watch podcasts being recorded live so you can watch them being recorded live you can join in and ask questions you can provide feedback in the chat all that kind of cool stuff and as well as that you also get access to problem solver sessions where four times a month i open my zoom room up for three hours to allow you guys to come in and solve your problems you can 
work on your accountability you can set goals you can do whatever you want to do it's open to everyone in that 22 pound tier a month four four times a month three hours a time and then last but not least you also get a handy bunch of merchandise every three months that you signed up including t-shirts and mugs so pretty awesome stuff for as little as 22 pounds a month as you heard there so if you want to find out more about that you can message me or you can head over to www.theinstructorpodcast.com and sign up over there. But for now, I'm going to say one more time, thank you for listening, and uh, I hope you've enjoyed what we've done over the last two years, because there's plenty more to come. The Instructor Podcast with Terry Cook, talking with leaders, innovators, experts and game changers about what drives them.